This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Welcome to the Hockey Hotbed, presented as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, and we have a really fun show for you today, as it was a really fun weekend across the NHL. Plenty of storylines to get into, plenty of great performances to get into, and we will start it off with our coast-to-coast segment here in segment number one of episode 19 of the Hockey Hotbed. Like I said, thank you for tuning in. We're going coast-to-coast here because there have been so many storylines over the weekend and into the beginning of this week across the NHL. Some very, very important performances. Obviously, if you follow hockey at any level, whether you're a casual fan, whether you're a diehard for a team, or whether you're just a fanatic and you watch every single team and every single game, you saw Connor McDavid's goal against the New York Rangers. First of all, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, and I feel like I have to mention it at every episode because of how damn good they're doing. They're just on a roll. But Connor McDavid's goal against the New York Rangers, slicing through four defensemen, putting Alexander Yorgiev, I'd say on skates, but that would be actually good in the NHL, just kind of embarrassing him and tying the game up against the New York Rangers before, of course, Leon Dreisaitl puts the game winner in. That was on Friday night. Just an absolutely beautiful goal, probably going to be a goal of the year candidate, most likely the goal of the year. So if you haven't seen it, definitely go check it out. I should post something on Twitter about it, but we'll see. Check out Hockey Hotbed Pod on Twitter and see if I've posted that. But I also wanted to get to a couple of other things that happened around the league here in this first segment. First and foremost, A player that not many people have talked about this year, and they should be. I feel like he's starting to get a little bit more recognition because of the run that he is currently on, and that is Troy Terry. Now, he is going into his fourth season with the Anaheim Ducks. Technically fifth, because he played two games in the 2017-18 season, but we're going to say it's his fourth season. The last time anybody really heard anything from Troy Terry was at World Juniors whenever he scored the shootout winner for Team USA. I think that was that was back in like 2018 as well. So he hasn't had the greatest of starts to a career. He's also playing in Anaheim where they don't get a lot of coverage. They don't score a lot of goals. Last year, Anaheim was one of the lowest scoring teams in the NHL. But so far, so good this year for Troy Terry because he has an 11-game point streak. The Anaheim Ducks have only played 12 games. So after being held scoreless in their first game, Troy Terry has put at least a point in each of the last 11 games. It is a great start to the season for a guy that he needed it. He he really needed it. Coming into this year, he wanted to be a difference maker for the Anaheim Ducks, and so far he has been just that. Like I said, an 11-game point streak as of this recording. On the season, he has 8 goals and 14 points. And of those 8 goals, 2 of them were game-winning goals. Before that, the three years prior, Troy Terry never scored a game-winning goal 
for the Anaheim Ducks. That's kind of crazy to think that he played in however many games, didn't get a single game-winning goal, but this year already, two game-winning goals down in Anaheim. Now, when you look at this, am I saying, hey, Troy Terry, over a point a game player this year, Troy Terry, possibly a 30-goal scorer this year, I know he's already at eight, which is impressive, but and I hate to rain on the parade because I, I do like Troy Terry and I also don't want to be too hard on the Ducks because they're already going to have a hard enough season. But Troy Terry's shooting percentage is at 32%. So there's going to be a mean regression to the mean. I mean, there's no way he's going to be able to keep up 32% shooting. If he does, then he's probably going to have a 40 or 50 goal season. But like I, get, like I said, again, that's probably not going to happen. 32% currently, it's probably going to regress down to 13, 14, 15%. But if he's able to go out there and put up 25 goals this year, that's huge for a guy like Troy Terry. That could earn him a significant pay increase the next time his contract situation comes around. So good on Troy Terry for a good start to the season. And the Anaheim Ducks altogether. I mean, Ryan Getzlaff has had a good start to the season. He's breaking records down there in Anaheim. Adam Henrique has seemingly scored in every goal or every a goal in every game the past week and a half. And the Ducks are 6-4-3. and three. I know what you're saying. That's still technically 6-7 and seven in a losing record. But right now, that puts them in third place in the Pacific. And I've mentioned all year long so far that the Pacific Division is probably going to end up being the worst division in the league this year. So if you can hang around, maybe you can get a playoff spot. And if you're the Anaheim Ducks who are clearly in a rebuild still, do I think they're going to? No. Let, let me just preface this conversation with that. But they're clearly in a rebuild. If you can hang around and play some meaningful games into February, possibly even into March, that is huge for this young core of players, that is huge for the Trevor Zegrises, the Jamie Drysdales, the Troy Terrys, the Max Comtois. That is huge so they can get the experience of playing in big games late into the season. So good on them for a good start. Good on Troy Terry for a good start. I did want to make sure that I let off the show with that because Anaheim, they don't get enough credit. They really don't. And sometimes it's deserved. Like I said last year, one of the lowest scoring teams in the NHL. They've been out of a playoff spot for a couple seasons now. But I mean before that, let's not forget they won the Pacific Division like 6 years in a row and they were you know a lethal playoff team. So we got to give them a little bit of respect and that's what I wanted to do to start off this show. Some other news that happened over the weekend. Brady Kachuk in Ottawa named captain of the Ottawa Senators. Now, if you have listened to every episode of the Hockey Hotbed for one, thank you. I appreciate you listening to every episode of the Hockey Hotbed. Glad to have you on. But secondly, if you've listened to every episode, you would have heard my guest Shane Ryan of the Sens Hour. He covers the Ottawa Senators for the Hockey Podcast Network. He predicted this on episode four of the Hockey Hotbed. Now, he said it some other places too, but let me just say first and foremost, he broke his opinion here. He shared it. He said, I wouldn't be surprised. If the second Brady Kachuk signs, he comes out with a C on the first game. That didn't happen. Would have been cool, but that didn't happen. But just about five games into the season, and Brady Kachuk is named captain of the Ottawa Senators. The first captain for the Sens since the departure 
of EK65, Eric Carlson. Now, Kachuk himself is in his fourth season with the Ottawa Senators. He's only 21 years old, or 22 years old, excuse me. So, a very young, but he's already kind of, I mean, it's, it was a no-brainer. Anybody that has watched the Senators the last couple of years, you expected this to happen. I mean, yeah, maybe Thomas Shabbat, but when you look at the way that Brady Kachuk plays, when you look at the way that his teammates are around him on the ice, you can tell that Brady Kachuk is the leader of this team. It is a very young team, so having a young captain kind of fits the mold perfectly. Kachuk has only played in a little over 200 games already in his career, has scored 63 goals, has 130 points, and importantly, he just signed a long-term contract to stay in Ottawa. Seven-year deal, $8.2 million average annual value. I highly doubt Brady Kachuk is going to go anywhere before that deal is done. If they, if they do, then the Senators should just fold. Because if this rebuild, the way this team looks and the players this team has, is done in seven years already, then the team should just fold already. But I don't see that happening. I think if you look at the way that they're built, if you look at what they have in the system, they're going to be a good team in a couple years. At least they'll have some very good, very talented players. And of course, like I said, at the forefront is Brady Kachuk. And then Thomas Shippaud on the blue line. But both of those guys are young. Both of those guys are talented. And both of those guys are very, very... What is the word I'm looking for? Oh, yeah. Very good leaders. This team has not been good the last couple of seasons. Yet you look at last year. After the start that they had to the season... They were able to turn it around, rally, and become a really difficult team to beat in the North Division. You look at this year. Yes, they've lost a lot of games in a row as of right now. But they're not an easy team to beat. They make it difficult. They're tough to play. And that starts with Brady Kachuk and the way that he plays the game. I mean, he is a Kachuk for God's sakes. He makes it difficult to play. And that message clearly gets through to everybody in that system. And from the age that they're at now, if they can continue to play that way and then also develop their skills, develop their goal scoring, they're going to be a difficult team to beat. They're going to need the goaltending. I don't know if Matt Murray is it. I mean, he hasn't played poorly so far this year, but I don't know if he's the guy, once you turn it all around, that's going to lead you, especially because he's probably older than most of the players on the team right now. But congratulations to Brady Kachuk. Congratulations to Shane Ryan. Correctly predicting it. Like I said, not the most surprising decision by the Ottawa Senators. But you still got to give credit where credit's due. So credit to Shane Ryan for calling it. This episode has featured already some young players across the league. Troy Terry, of course, having a great start to the season. He's young. Brady Kachuk, like I mentioned, very young. Now the captain of the Ottawa Senators. Now I want to go even younger. Let me talk about a couple rookie defensemen that have gotten off to hot starts this year. Obviously, this league right now is kind of in a renaissance of young, skilled defensemen. We've seen a lot of them get paid over the past year. Most recently, Adam Fox. I talked about it last week. We saw Charlie McAvoy get paid. We've seen... 
Kale McCarr get paid. We've seen Quinn Hughes get paid. We've seen Wierenski, Seth Jones. They're all getting paid, and they're all getting paid huge contracts. So there is no better time to be a talented, young defenseman with great skating ability in the NHL. And this year is no different. We have a couple of rookies that have just stormed onto the scene across the NHL and became already household names in their respective cities. I'm going to start in Detroit, who, like I said, I've talked about Lucas Raymond a lot. And he, for good reason, he has been really, really good as of right now, probably top three favorite to win the Calder after one month because that's how good he's been. But I would argue that Moritz Sider, who's also a rookie on that team, is also probably top three in rookie voting right now. He only has one goal, but he also has 10 points and is playing 22, almost 23 minutes a night. This is a guy that they didn't know whether or not he was going to make the team this year. Now he's playing 23 minutes a night for a team that, albeit probably not going to be pushing for a playoff spot. But if you're looking at the eyes are playing, it's looking pretty good whenever you have Lucas Raymond and Moritz Sider come up and playing as well as they have, adding to what they have already had in guys like Dylan Larkin and Tyler Bertuzzi. Now, when I look at Sider's advanced statistics, they're not jumping off the page at me. 47.62 Corsi 4 percentage, 50 flat expected goals 4 percentage. It's not world beating. But I mean, the kid is a teenager playing 23 minutes a night. And he's producing offensively. The defensive side will come. We've seen this with Jack Hughes. We've seen this with Kale McCarr. The defensive side will come. More more with uh, Kale McCarr than with Quinn Hughes. But as of right now, Moritz Sider has been absolutely phenomenal for the Detroit Red Wings. And it's funny that I mentioned Kale McCarr because the other defenseman I wanted to bring up was Bowen Byram. I made a pretty big deal about the fact that the Colorado Avalanche Lost Ryan Graves for basically nothing. I said, that is a great defenseman that you lost. I understand that you did not want to lose him to the the Seattle Kraken in the expansion draft. But trading him for, I mean, they got, what, a third and a fourth round pick? It's not awful, but you hate to lose a guy like that. And Graves has gone on to play pretty well so far for the New Jersey Devils. But when you see what Bowen Byram has done, yeah, that makes up for it. Yeah, you have another good defenseman that can just slot right in there. You're not getting the same thing out of both of those players. But you are getting very good production from Bo and Byram if you're the Colorado Avalanche right now. The Avs haven't had the best start to the season. But if you look at this kid's stats, I mean, three goals, eight points, and 21 minutes of ice time a night, that's pretty good for a young guy. So he's producing offensively. He's producing on the score sheet. He's playing a lot of hockey. And his advanced numbers are better than Moritz Sider's. Now again, might be a product of playing on a better team in Colorado. But he has a 55.19 Corsi 4 percentage. A 56 
6.62 expected goals for percentage. So, again, these two defensemen in a time where being a young, talented, puck-moving, talented-skating defenseman is starting to pay off more than it ever has before. These two guys are off to rocket starts in the first month of their rookie years. Now, I get Byron played a couple games last season where Sider has not, but it is both of their rookie seasons, and these guys have gotten off to fantastic starts. I'm going to take a quick break. When I return, I'm going to check in on one of my Dark Horse Stanley Cup final picks. I'll be right back. The NHL season is underway, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. Doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper or a deft deflection, however they light the lamp, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with the DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, throw down $1 on any NHL game, and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to the Hockey Hotbed, presented as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. Obviously, the NHL season has been very entertaining so far. We've seen some really good performances from teams, and we've seen some surprisingly bad performances from teams. Obviously, the Arizona Coyotes come to mind, really bad start to the season. Chicago Blackhawks come to mind, really bad start to the season. And then you also think of the teams that have been really good, Florida Panthers, Carolina Hurricanes, also the Edmonton Oilers. If you look at Drysaddle and McDavid, who we'll talk about in the last segment of the show. But there's one team that has been really, really good the past couple of weeks, and I still feel like nobody's talking about them. And it makes me a little bit happy because at the beginning of the season, they're my dark horse to go to the Stanley Cup. They were my dark horse to win the Western Conference. And now they're playing really well with a lot of room for improvement. I think the team has been really good, but I think there's still things that I've seen that makes me believe that this team has another level. And I'm talking about the Winnipeg Jets. If you haven't noticed, the Winnipeg Jets are on a hot streak right now. And it wasn't that way to start the season. Understandably, they had a really bad road trip. To start the season. And when I say bad, I mean abysmal. They were not good 
in that three-game road trip to start the season. It was a 0-2-1. It was bad. But once they returned to Winnipeg, got their feet underneath them at home, since that start, they're 6-1-1 in their last eight games. And they're doing it without their best player performing well at all. I was going to say at the top of his game, but their best player has not been good so far this season. And that's Connor Hellybuck. The Jets, historically, and by historically I mean the last couple of seasons, have relied on Connor Hellybuck to get them wins, to keep the other team from scoring, which is obviously the definition of what a goalie is supposed to do. But they've done it without defense. <laughs> and this year, and I talked about it doing my power rankings last week, and if you haven't already, go check that out on YouTube. I said that the Winnipeg Jets' defense has been bad this year, and it has been, respectively. They've given up a lot of high-danger chances. Now, they've also... The Jets have gotten a lot of high-danger chances because of how good their forward core is, but they've given up a lot of high-danger chances. So, Buck, when he's been in, has been hung out to dry. But so is Eric Comrie, and Eric Comrie's numbers are, are 10 times better than Connor's so far this year. Now, currently, he is missing time due to an illness, so possibly that is also to blame for some of his poor numbers. So you hope that he comes back. You hope that he can turn it around and become the goaltender that the Jets have always needed him to be because if he does that, the way the rest of the team's been going, this team is going to contend for a top spot in the Central Division because the last eight games have been nothing short of phenomenal for the Winnipeg Jets. Let me close the book here on Hellybuck. So far this year, 3-2-2 two, two, with a 3.42 goals allowed average and an 899 save percentage. Something that is not only bad for... I mean, it, it's not awful. It's kind of middle of the pack. It's like, okay, you're, you're good some days, but most times you're not. But this is a guy that we automatically put into the Vezina conversation at the beginning of every year. He needs to be better whenever he comes back. Luckily for him, one, the forwards have been absolutely outstanding. They've been outscoring people anyway. And two, his backup in Eric Comrie has been really good this year. <laughs> now, a small sample size, he's only played in four games. But Eric Comrie is 3-1 with a 1.98 goals allowed average. And a 9.26 save percentage. That's a really good performance from their backup goalie. It's exactly what they need too. Because if they can get out to a hot start in that division, they can get a really good stranglehold on potential playoff positioning. Now I do want to talk about the forwards mainly because that is the strength of this team. That's what we always expected the strength of this team to be. We knew that it was, they have some really talented forwards. They're going to score a lot of goals and they have a really good goaltender. That's going to have to make up for the fact that the defense is not the greatest. And the forwards so far have done just that. Now, when I'm saying this, not all of them, but some of their top tier players have performed as top tier players. They have three guys at a point per game this season already. We're 11 games in, three guys more than 11 or more points. That's great. 
It's even better when you consider the fact that none of those three players are named Blake Wheeler or Mark Shifley. Or Nikolai Ehlers, for that matter. Those three guys, you talk about the Jets, those three are usually the three top guys you mentioned. Yet they're not in the top three in scoring this year. Both Shifley and Wheeler have missed a lot of games this year already. Only played in about half of the Winnipeg Jets games. So you give them a little bit of a pass. But if you look at the performance from Kyle Connor, from Andrew Kopp, and from Pierre-Luc Dubois, you look at that and say, if these guys can produce, and then if they can get Ehlers, Shifley, Wheeler to start producing again, which it's only a matter of time, this team is going to be one of the toughest teams to beat in the NHL. Like I said, in their last eight games played, 6-1-1 one, one with Connor Hellybuck not performing well, Nikolai Ehlers not at the top of his game, Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley also missing games and not at the top of their games when they're in. And yet this team is still succeeding. It's succeeding on the backs of Eric Comrie, Nate Schmidt, who offensively on the back end has had a good start to the season, and then Kyle Connor, Andrew Kopp, and Pierre-Luc Dubois. Kyle Connor has eight goals and 16 points in 11 games played. I'm going to talk about the leaders for the Art Ross. It's not close to Dreisaitl and McDavid, but Kyle Connor is in the top 10 right now in NHL scoring. Andrew Kopp, five goals, 12 points in 11 games, and Pierre-Luc Dubois, seven goals and 11 points in 11 games played. This team, like I said at the beginning of the season, this team is my dark horse to come out of the Western Conference. And I'm I'm sticking by that. I was sticking by that when they were 0-3 to start the season. I'm sticking by that now that they've won six of their last eight and grabbed points in seven of their last eight. It's a great start for a team in a division that has a couple of really bad goaltenders. In a division that has a couple of really bad teams. I mean, Arizona finally did get a win over the weekend. That's nice to see. So now they've evened it out with the Chicago Blackhawks. I believe. I don't know if the Chicago Blackhawks actually won. Let me double check that. They might have won on Sunday against the Predators. They did. They won 2-1 to one in overtime. So the Blackhawks now have two wins. And the Arizona Coyotes have one, but... Point is, this Winnipeg Jets team, they have performed extremely well to start. They have not gotten their best performances from everybody, and right now that's good enough for third place in the Central Division. Do I think it's going to improve? Yes. I think you're going to be able to get to see Mark Shifley turn it around. Blake Wheeler is going to turn it around. Nikolai Ehlers is going to go off. And eventually, Connor Hellybuck is going to get the save percentage Way up from 899. So if the question is, am I comfortable so far in my Stanley Cup prediction? In the in the Western Conference, yes. With Winnipeg, yes, I am. In the Eastern Conference, you know, I'm confident in the Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm confident in the fact that as long as they get into the postseason, they're going to be a favorite. And that's where they're at. But I'm much more confident in the Winnipeg Jets right now. The way that they're playing with the 
performances they're getting from some of their guys is very encouraging if you're a Winnipeg fan. Not enough people are talking about how good this team has been. Understandably, I get the fact that, you know, how good Florida has been, how good Edmonton has been, how good Carolina has been, but Winnipeg is right there. Winnipeg, in my opinion, probably probably should have been higher in my power rankings last week. But I'm going to stay pat with where they're at. We'll see what they do the rest of this month. I'm going to take a quick break. When I come back, we're going to finish off this show updating you on the leaders for the NHL Trophy Trackers. I'll be right back. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Hockey Hotbed, presented as always by the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as DraftKings. Make sure you use promo code THPN when visiting the DraftKings Sportsbook app for great odds and opportunities. Once again, promo code THPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. I don't have much left for you here on this episode of the Hockey Hotbed, but I did want to check in on the trophy tracker. Not any of the ones that are selected at the end of the year, because... Honestly, I I don't like doing that, you know, for the Hart Trophy, for the Norris Trophy. But I will check in on the ones that are performance-based. Starting with the Jennings Trophy, the trophy given to the team and the goaltenders on said team that have given up the least amount of goals across the NHL. Right now, the Carolina Hurricanes are that team, only allowing 20 goals thus far into the season. So, of course, the goaltending duo there is Freddie Anderson and Antti Ranta. Now, Ranta did get injured, so he is going to be out for a little bit. But Freddie Anderson has done the bulk of the work anyway in Carolina. He is single-handedly shutting down opponents. The Hurricanes suffered their first loss to the Florida Panthers over the weekend. No shame in that because the Florida Panthers have also not lost a game in regulation. But the Carolina Hurricanes... Only given up 20 goals so far, and right now leaders for the Jennings Trophy. Right behind them is the Calgary Flames, though. Only allowing 22 goals so far this season. Dan Vladar has not been bad as a backup, but Jacob, or Jacob, Jacob Markstrom has been absolutely phenomenal. There was a stretch there for about four games where if you scored a goal, you probably keep the puck. Kind of like a, like a Trediac kind of thing back in the 80s. Markstrom was just a stone wall, a couple of shutouts in that run, and has just been great for a really talented and a very successful Calgary Flames team who has started this season off proving everybody wrong when they said, we don't know what the Flames are. They could be awful. They could be good. They could be awful. They've been fantastic. And a large portion of that is because of Jacob Markstrom. And so far right now, he has the Calgary Flames in second place in Jennings Trophy. And the team right behind them, only one more goal allowed, and that is 23 for the Florida Panthers. Now, this team probably, of these three that are right there, have the the duo that can probably outlast most of these guys. 
Sergei Bobrovsky has been Vezina Sergei Bobrovsky. I've said that multiple times in the first couple weeks of the season. And Spencer Knight behind him is getting his footing underneath him in what is going to be his first full year with an NHL franchise. So they've only given up 23 goals so far this season. Carolina, Calgary, Florida, those are three teams that, if I'm looking at it, probably Florida most likely to continue to stay in this top three. But if Freddie Anderson plays the way that he's played and if they can get a backup there, I mean, hopefully you get a good recovery, a quick recovery, and a safe recovery for Antiranta. But if they can get a backup there that's able to hold down the fort when Freddie needs his rest, because eventually he will. The Hurricanes have already kind of started to run the wheels off of him, similar to what the Toronto Maple Leafs have. But as of right now, Freddie Anderson, I mean, he was what? The first star of the month? Or one of the three stars of the month for the NHL in October? Absolutely tremendous start. Tremendous start. The Rocket Richard, which goes to, of course, the NHL leader in goals. Right now, it is a two-way tie between Leon Dreisaitl of the Edmonton Oilers and Alex Ovechkin of the Washington Capitals. Each of them have... 10 goals. Alex Ovechkin has 10 goals in 11 games played. Meanwhile, Leon Dreisaitl, 10 goals and 10 games played. So he's averaging a goal per game. We'll get into what he's averaging points-wise, but he's averaging one goal per game. Ovechkin, obviously, chasing down Brett Hall. Pretty close to him. Pretty sure he's, he's one goal behind him for fourth all-time in the NHL. So if you're wondering whether or not Alex Ovechkin was going to slow down, the answer is no. He's already got 10 goals on the season. Leon Dreisaitl is off to a crazy start. And like I said, we'll talk about him more in a couple seconds. And then third place is Tyler Bertuzzi for the Detroit Red Wings. Nine goals in 10 games played. A good start for Tyler Bertuzzi. Let's finish off the show talking about the Art Ross Trophy given to the NHL player that scores, obviously, the most points. And right now, once again, that is Leon Dreisaitl of the Edmonton Oilers. 23 points in 10 games played. 2.3 points per game. Can you believe that? What's even more funny is the fact that in second place right now is Connor McDavid, who has 2.2 points per game. He has 22 points in 10 games played. Ovechkin is in third right now with 18 points in 11 games played. But is anybody going to be close to Dreisaitl or McDavid this year? Probably not. You thought maybe Kucherov, he can put up ridiculous numbers. Kucherov's now out due to injury. So is anybody really going to catch McDavid and Dreisaitl? Probably not. It's going to be a race between the two of them, which is pretty unfair considering they're on the ice together and they're producing on the same goals. That power play is running at 50%. And every single time they score in the power play, at least one of them is involved. So the Edmonton Oilers, right now I believe they're 9-1-0. So team-wise, it's a great start. Individual-wise, their stars, doing their job is an understatement. Their stars are absolutely lighting the world on fire. The question is always going to be whether or not they can do it in the playoffs, but right now the question is, can they just continue this pace of over two points per game? It would be something if they are able to do it. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Hockey Hotbed. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate you lending me your ear here on this Tuesday morning, afternoon, evening, even if you're listening to this later in the week. Thank you for tuning in. But that's going to do it for this one. I'll see you guys on Friday. Have a good week, hockey fans.